Well, hello there, everybody. I have not done this in a while. It's been a long time and very intermittent, hasn't it? <laughs> I am very nervous to record this podcast. Also a bit excited, um, but feeling very vulnerable. So please excuse me if, if my, there's extended pauses, if I'm kind of all over the place, or if my voice just doesn't sound like it normally does, because this is a topic that I'm just learning to navigate in my own life and I felt compelled to share it for two reasons. Firstly, that I know I'm not alone and I think the more I can share, the more I can help other people who may be feeling the way I feel or have felt. And secondly, as controversial as it may or may not be to you, this week we have Bell Let's Talk Day, which is a day devoted to shining a light and destigmatizing mental health. So I am going to just go ahead and tell you what is going on in my life. I've been diagnosed with adult ADHD. This is a very new diagnosis and it came about because I'm currently trying to help my kids through some struggles they're facing. And I've learned that this is often how women get diagnosed, is that they're missed all through childhood, adolescence, and so forth, and further on and beyond. I can't speak. (laughs) They're missed. And it's not until usually perimenopause hits and that's usually late 30s and often, not always, but often coincides with looking for help for their own children who might be displaying traits of ADHD. So, because the only people who listen to this podcast are friends of mine, I think you probably are either shocked at what I've just said, or you're nodding your head and being like, yeah. (laughs) Um, I have to say that with my diagnosis came almost immediately a sense of relief. It 
unlocked a lot of understanding and compassion for myself right away. I have touched on my mental health a number of times in this podcast, my my um, struggles with some generalized anxiety disorder and um, some depression. And as I continue to learn more and more about myself through the lens of my ADHD diagnosis, these are common symptoms of women who have ADHD. And in fact, upon further digging, most or many, I should say, I'm not a I'm not an expert in this field, but many women actually get their ADHD diagnosis and their anxiety and depression subsides greatly. This is because we have spent the greater part of our lives feeling like we don't really know ourselves or that something feels off and we can't figure it out. We seek help in different ways, but we really don't know what we're asking for. I saw a great quote about this last night, actually, and I'm going to paraphrase it here. And it was, having ADHD is akin to not only not knowing when to ask for help because stressed and anxious is sort of our default setting. So when we feel overwhelmed, it's just another layer on top of usually how we feel anyway. So we don't know when to ask for help because it's kind of like, yeah, this is definitely more acute, but I kind of feel like this all the time. So, uh, you know, I'll just plow through. And the other aspect is not knowing how to ask for help because we don't really know where to start. Um, I feel so lost or I have felt so lost throughout my life in so many ways. Um you know, I, there's so many things I could list right here that right now, even on the brink of turning 44, that I want help with. But how do you ask for that when your help is legitimately like, I, how do I organize my house? How do I decorate? How do I shop for groceries? How do I set up a meal plan? How do I ensure that I... Uh, moisturize my body or get enough exercise. Like it's just, it never ends. It never ends. So that's part of the problem about having ADHD is not knowing when to ask for help, but also not even really knowing how, because it just, everything seems so overwhelming. So I'm going to try and uh, walk you guys through some of the things that I've discovered over the last little while pertaining to this and I don't know if that's gonna 
help answer maybe some of the questions you have about ADHD and women. Um, so first of all, I guess one of the most important questions, if you don't already know, is what is ADHD? And the definition of ADHD, which stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a bit misleading in a few ways because not all of us display the hyperactivity uh, traits. And if you want to do a little bit more reading on it, which you probably don't, but um, usually the hyperactivity um, traits are more often displayed in young boys um, and not often displayed in girls. It can be displayed in girls, but it's usually because of um, the way boys and girls are raised differently in society. It's usually not present as often in girls. But essentially what it is, it's a neurological disorder of self-regulation that impairs executive functioning. And that sounds like I'm going to go work at a corporation executive functioning. So essentially what it is, there's two things here, self-regulation and executive functioning. Self-regulation is the ability to regulate or how do I put that into my own word? Uh, sort out and deal with your own Thoughts, behaviors, moods, anything that has to do with yourself. The ability to regulate that in a neurotypical person is something you don't have to think about. I don't think I'm explaining myself well enough. The ability to self-regulate, first of all, doesn't show up in early childhood. This is why we have temper tantrums. Uh, we call them you know, uh, the terrible twos, or you see preschoolers arguing over a toy, yanking it back and forth between the two of them. Self-regulation doesn't necessarily happen overnight. It happens with maturation of the frontal lobe. So you can see self-regulation kind of um, develop over the course of a person's young life. Um, and people with ADHD struggle with self-regulation. Now, again, if you're looking at the more typical ADHD standard behavioral trait, you're going to see children who have trouble staying seated, um, children who have trouble listening to instructions or following instructions or uh, trouble controlling their outbursts in class. So they're the ones that might be talking over top of the teacher or not listening when things are very serious. They just can't control or regulate their own behavior. Now, executive functioning, this is a big term, 
But what it means is essentially planning and implementing your own life in ways that are efficient and make the most sense. That's the best way I can put it. So they are the unwritten and often unspoken rules for how to be uh, a person. So for instance, um, getting up, brushing your teeth every day, uh, um, <laughs> sorry, it's making me laugh because I can't even come up with examples. This is how unregulated I am. But essentially, executive functioning is what allows you to be efficient as a human being and um, not all over the place. And people with ADHD have a neurological disorder of self-regulation that impairs that. So we can't prioritize things according to what would make the most sense. It's very difficult for us to organize and um, put things in order. So that can be seen in many different ways. For me, one of the telltale signs was and is my forgetfulness. Um, and that's where I'd like to segue away a little bit from the technical aspects and into my life. My whole life, <laughs> I have been a forgetful person. And it's been the most embarrassing thing about me in my own mind. Um, I'm very ashamed of it. It causes me a lot of distress and a lot of um, shame and anger with myself that I am forgetful. Growing up, uh, my mom used to jokingly say, oh, April, you'd forget your own head if it wasn't attached. And uh, it was true. Um, and I don't blame my mom. I was born in 1977 and ADHD in girls, by the way, is so new in um, psych. Like it's, it's, it's newly studied. It um, typically wasn't thought of as something girls could have. So I don't blame my mom. It's not like she would know. And the other thing worth noting is I was high achieving. Often women who struggle with ADHD are... Women who have pursued higher education, they read well, they speak well, they often do very well in one area of their lives and their diagnosis therefore goes um, unseen. Or their not their diagnosis, their their ADHD goes unseen. Um, I remember I was in kindergarten, and this is a story that has been told over and over again in my family. But my brother was a baby. Uh, my we're four years apart, so I was going to school. I would have been maybe four or five. My brother was a baby and still needed to nap. And back then, kindergarten was a half day. So I would go in the morning and at lunchtime, we would go home. We lived just down the street from our school. 
And so because my brother was a baby and needed to nap, my mom sort of worked out a bit of a deal with the crossing guard who was a neighbor of ours saying, listen, Valerie, if you can watch her walk from the school to you, which wasn't very far, it's half a block, I can watch her from you to me. Now think about this. <laughs> Would we be doing that in these days? Would I have been sending my four or five-year-old to school or home by themselves? No, but that's just the, the world we live in now. So I did this happily. In fact, it was probably one of my most favorite things is that I just like I felt so responsible and mature and free, right? Like, okay, I'm going home now. And I'd walk home by myself and I loved it. And I recall one day I walked, I was wearing a little sundress and it was probably early to late October. So a little too chilly out to be wearing a sundress. And I walked up to the crossing guard who said, April, my God, your arms are beet red because they were so cold. And she put her hands on my shoulders and she said, where's your coat? And I said, oh, my mom didn't send me with one today. And so off I go down the hill, my mom's standing at the back door looking at me and I get to the house and she goes, April, where's your coat? And I said, you didn't send me with one today, mom. And she said, I did. And I was adamant. You didn't. You didn't send me with a coat, mom. So once my brother woke up, she gathered us up, walked up to the school, walked into the front doors and there on my peg with my name over top of it was my little fall jacket. Just plain sight. And it was a big laugh and we all still laugh about it. And it's just who I am. I also, a few years later, really struggled with sleep. Uh, Well, actually, maybe not even a few years later. I think it started around that age, five or six, and it went on for years. And I had to see a psychiatrist and everything was ruled out. I'm okay. I'm not crazy. It turns out insomnia is a hallmark of ADHD. In fact, I was just reading today, many people with ADHD report they have a lot of trouble being able to get to sleep at night. They'll say, oh, I stay up a lot later than I really want to or should because I found if I try to go to bed before I'm really, really tired, I just can't shut my head off. I just keep thinking of stuff. But then once they do fall asleep, they tend to sleep like dead people and often have a lot of trouble getting themselves up in the morning, regardless of how long they've been sleeping. This is from Dr. Thomas E. Brown. So that was really mind-blowing and interesting to me. It answers that lifelong question I've had. I spent my entire school life forgetting homework, forgetting important dates and deadlines, permission slips, forms I needed to hand in, really, really important integral stuff all the time to the point that if I did remember something, I expected a parade 
because it was so monumental to me to have remembered to do something the way everyone else did. So that's executive functioning. Again, never knew this growing up that this that I had an actual neurological disorder. So as you can imagine, the blame and the shame that surrounded myself and my internal dialogue around my shortcomings, how that develops into your own understanding of yourself and how you present yourself to the world. It's really interesting. Another really important thing that has kind of made a lot more sense to me is something called rejection sensitive dysphoria. And this is something experienced by many people with ADHD. Their neurological disorder impairs their ability to perceive rejection. I don't know if I said that right. It doesn't impair their ability, but they perceive any criticism or any kind, they can perceive anything to be rejection. And what that looks like in my life, for instance, and most recently, and I'm hoping some of my friends along the, lo- along the many years that I've been on the earth are listening. Rejection-sensitive dysphoria in my life means sometimes I feel hurt when friends don't call or text, but I rarely call or text. And I, I know that sounds like, especially if you are neurotypical, you're like, well, just freaking pick up the phone and text. That's part of executive functioning. So I know I'm all over the place in this podcast, and maybe some of you have turned it off because it's just maybe a little too academic, um, which wasn't my intention. But... My ADHD is in fact very severe. And here's where I'll get personal. My recent life um sorry for the pauses. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. Many of you have listened to some of my previous podcasts. And in at least one of them, I talk about my perception of myself as a failure. And that extends to all areas of my life. I had to quit my job as a teacher that I loved so much. It took me seven years to get a BA, not, a, not an honors degree, not a four-year degree, a three-year degree took me seven years. I often feel like a failure as a mom, as a partner, definitely as a friend, as a homeowner, 
as a human, I can literally tell you that in every facet of my life, I feel like I failed. And this has been the pervasive thought for me for the last 10 years. This has been the longest 10 years of my life. And I'm sorry for getting emotional. It is really difficult to navigate life with a neurological disorder, but it's even harder to navigate life with an undiagnosed neurological disorder. Because all you do is blame yourself. When I'm late for things, when I can't manage my time, when I don't finish things I start, when I make promises that I don't keep, When my house looks like a tornado blew through it, which is all the time, (laughs) everything felt so unmanageable and so hard. And I felt so helpless, never knowing again when or how to ask for help because I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't even know. All I could do was blame myself for being lazy, stupid, incompetent. And this diagnosis has given me the ability to see that it's not my fault. Now, I will never use my ADHD as an excuse for something that I could have done. But I will allow myself grace for not meeting Standards that don't work for someone who is neurodiverse. I have to understand better how I am able to best live my life with a disorder that I will never, ever be able to get rid of. I can manage the symptoms. I can help understand myself better and work through life in a much better way now that I have more self-understanding. But I will never get rid of ADHD. I will never be able to take a pill and rid myself of my disorder. Which brings me... To where I want to leave you, which is to say that I know that I have a lot of people who like me, who think I'm funny, maybe people who might even look up to me. And I want you to know something. My ADHD 
and the ways that I have had to overcome the multitudinous (laughs) symptoms I experience daily is probably the reason most of you like me. I learned early on that I had to be in on the joke. I had to make people laugh so that I could take the attention off of how uncomfortable I was feeling in with other people. I always felt and always have felt and always will feel like I don't belong. And for that reason, I developed a very quick wit and a very self-deprecating sense of humor. In fact, if you take a look at the, com- the comedy community, stand-up comedians, and most of the very influential, famous people we know that make jokes for a living, make people laugh for a living, many of them have ADHD. And one of the aspects of ADHD that I'm so thankful for, because I have, I guess I never touched on this, I have inattentive ADHD, which sounds like I'm never paying attention, but it's actually the opposite. I'm usually paying attention to the wrong things. (laughs) Um, That's the story of my life. So one example I used with my I was going to say my husband, but you all know Paul. One of the examples I used with Paul yesterday was I can pick out any piece of clothing that either one of my kids owns, and it can go back as far as newborn. So, you know, Ruby's 12, Georgia's seven. So 12 years worth of clothes. And I can pick up a piece of clothing of theirs and tell you exactly where it's from and who bought it for them. And Paul is like astounded by this. It's like, how do you remember that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why that is filed away in the back of my brain and why it's so easy for me to do, but I can't remember to put the laundry in the dryer. He will put the laundry in the washer, tell me, okay, I'm heading to work. In 50 minutes, can you put the laundry in the dryer? I will say yes with every intention of doing it and forget. Now we do this thing where he says, set your timer for 50 minutes. And I'm like, okay, got it. And then the timer goes off and I switch the laundry. He's learning how to live with someone with ADHD after 20 years. But we're getting there. But I pay attention to other things. And this is how I am probably someone who makes you laugh. I'm always listening to the nuances of 
conversation. I'm always paying attention to how people are speaking, not always what they're saying, but the energy with which they're delivering it. I'm always listening to subtext. I am very good at reading people. I One of the hallmarks of someone with ADHD, especially a woman, is to finish people's sentences. And I don't know, maybe some of you out there are laughing and nodding your head if you've been my friend for a long time. I'm notorious for cutting people off, talking over top of them, interrupting, finishing their sentences, and never, never, ever, ever, ever has this been something that I've done because I want to be rude. Who would want to be rude? (laughs) I just do it. And I didn't know that that was a trait of someone with ADHD. So I guess that brings me to my point, which is I've gone through a bit of a grieving process. I'm sure I'll continue through this grieving process of looking back at my life and recognizing all of these little memories that now makes sense in light of the fact that I have ADHD. And I, and I literally grieve for my little self who was always trying her best but always felt like I didn't measure up. And I'm super thankful Because I think, truly, I think that this neurological disorder has given me the life and the friends and the experiences that I've had to now. I wouldn't want to change who I am. I wish I could have had this understanding of myself a long, long time ago. And the only reason I wish that is so that I could have been more confident. I could have maybe been able to achieve more because I would have known how and when to ask for help. I would have had things in place to support me because I just didn't know. And so I'm telling you all of this, not, please understand, I don't want accolades, attention. I'm not a narcissist. I'm literally sharing this in the hopes that it helps someone, that maybe it helps you understand me more or someone else in your life who might display some traits that are similar to the traits I display. There are many, many resources online. And I encourage anyone out there who thinks either they might be struggling with ADHD or they might know someone now that 
is similar to me and you might think, oh my God, this sounds a lot like my sister or my niece or my aunt. I encourage you, if you have that kind of a relationship with them and you know that they've struggled with their own self-identity, to reach out and speak to them because this is a diagnosis that I true, like it blew my mind. It, it legitimately, when I started reading about the traits of women with ADHD, I had involuntary tears rolling down my face. I had no idea. I had no idea. And I am legitimately a textbook case. So I just, I want you to know that. I only share this with the hopes that it helps someone and that maybe it helps you understand me a bit better because that's what Bell Let's Talk is all about. Let's talk. Let's destigmatize. Let's normalize talking about mental health so that we can all move forward together with better compassion and understanding for each other and ourselves. Thank you so much for listening. This was a long one. And if any of you have any questions, please reach out. I just, my biggest hope is that you've taken something away today and that you can find a way to apply that in your life, whether it's more compassion, more patience, and more love for someone, or it's just a better understanding of how complex human beings really are below the surface. I love you.